Did you know the average American is over $90,000 in debt? We are going to get into our own personal philosophies on using credit and debt. Welcome to this episode. I'm Jennifer Moore. And I am John Cho. We are Agents with Money, and we're here to help you figure out finances. And in this episode, we are going to dig into our own just philosophies and how we use uh, credit cards and debt. What's Is there good debt? Is there bad debt? I know a lot of people are into Dave Ramsey, and we kind of disagree with him on some stuff. So I want to get us started today, John, with some statistics from Debt.org. And this is pr a pretty recent uh, document. American household debt reached record $14.6 trillion this spring. Did you know that? Is that insane? Wow. That is pretty high. Yeah, that's a lot of debt. Apparently the pandemic, you know, obviously during the pandemic, unemployment hit a, a pretty record high last year. Obviously, that's kind of changed since then. The uh, student loan debt increased the most, followed by mortgage debt, personal loan debt. But I, maybe this is because people were at home and not going out. Uh, credit card debt dropped 9%, $73 billion. So, John, do you think maybe that's because people like just, you know, less FOMO, you know, you're at your own home. You're, you know, less you're restaurants not, to go to. Yeah, less <laughs> restaurants to go to. So I don't know, but that's still, that's still crazy. And during the the pandemic, savings actually did increase. So I know a lot of people did not lose their jobs, so they were working remotely. And you know, there are one thing I think we kind of don't think about is the fact that when people are working from home, you have fewer expenses. You're not commuting. You're not getting lunches out. You're staying at home. You don't have to pay for gas. So I don't know, maybe maybe that helped. Uh, mm -hmm. But what I found kind of interesting is now you would kind of think that younger people would have the most debt, but weirdly, Gen Z actually had the least amount of debt at $16,043. Uh, millennials ages 24 to 39. Uh, John, I guess we, John, I didn't realize you were a millennial. Did you know that? I thought you were more Gen Z. I don't know. No, I feel I'm glad like I'm... I'm glad I, I'm a millennial. I feel like this age range might be, I do feel like this age range might be a little off for Gen Z, but yeah. hey, whatever. So millennials had an average debt of $87,000. A Gen X, man, I don't know what you guys are doing. 40 to 55, $140,000. Now this does include consumer debt, credit cards, personal loans, mortgages, and student loans. So I'm thinking maybe the 140K also comes from the fact that they're owning homes. Yeah. Hopefully, I hope I hope it's not consumer debt because that's crazy. Baby boomer, baby boomers, fifty six to seventy four, had ninety seven thousand dollars, and then the silent generation, ages seventy five and above, had forty one thousand dollars. Now I'm hoping by that point people have uh, paid off their homes by then. If you're forty k in debt though, and you're seventy five, what, like, what's up with that? That's what I want to know. That's that's just insane. Ah, oh, John. And and John, now we we talked about this in a previous episode. You went to college debt free. I had student loans. Yeah. Are do you feel like being debt free helped you get ahead financially? Uh, uh, de being debt free, I I think here's the thing. Uh, the biggest analogy I could give is so yeah, we had no debt, which was great. Um, I think it was less pressure. 
However, back then, as soon as I got out of college, um, when I got and then I got married, you know, my parents saved up 10 grand and he gave it to us. And back then that was huge. Uh, By the way, I paid him back. But what I'm trying to get is like as soon as I got that 10 grand, I was doing my best to save, save, save and pretty much just hold the line while I was getting paid $10 an hour at a different job. But the crazy thing is like every month it would always go down. And eventually that 10 grand turned into like $1,000. So then and there, I was like, I don't think debt is the problem. I think the biggest thing in order to have money in your bank account is to know the skills of making more money. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. even if you get a mm-hmm. windfall, say you get an inheritance or something and you get like $100,000. Right. If you don't know what to do with the money, it's mm-hmm. – and I've been there too. It's so easy for that money to just fritter away. Like you're yeah. like, oh, that's great. We have $50,000 in savings. You have an emergency or you need new tires or something. And then mm-hmm. you kind of exactly. chip away. So if you're not actively saving on top of that, like poof, the money is gone. And we right. definitely had that happen too. And I was very frugal during those times. I wasn't eating out much. I wasn't um, like I had still had my $300 car. We shared the cars. So it was it was kind of crazy because my wife was also making $10 an hour. But like I said, with that 10 grand turn into a thousand and it's just there was just no way of like holding that line. Yeah. Each each month it kept going down and down. So that that's when I figured out. Actually, that's not when I figured out, but now I'm figuring out like, okay, like in order to make money, you just know you'd really need to know how to make money, like uh, um just not save. Instead of saving, invest. That that's all I can yeah. say. Out of the two, do you think it's more important to be able to earn more money or spend less money? If you had to say, I think earn more money for sure. Earn more money, okay. (laughs) Because here's the thing: like you know, discipline is hard. And I was like, okay, Lindsay, we should we should go to eat. We should go eat out X amount of time in a month. And we over exceeded that in 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 a week. So we're like, oh my word. Okay, let's try better next week. Nope. Let's try better next month. Nope. Let's try better next year. It just doesn't work. So yeah. I just said, all right, let's just go make more money. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you you did that though. So obviously, mm-hmm. I guess that did work out for you. But can you imagine if you guys were still making $10 an hour now? I think what your we'll life be would be like? For sure. You'd be in debt. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, now, let me ask you, uh, uh, credit cards, how many do you have? Uh, do you know your credit limits? And mm-hmm. are there any particular credit cards that you really like for a certain reason, like rewards programs yeah. or anything like that? I had three, but I just canceled one last week just because I wasn't using it. Um, I had I have a personal credit card and I have a business credit card. Um, so I just I just used two of them. Like so it was that that's the only credit card I have. And I really enjoy credit card just because like it helps build your credit score. And not only that, um, a lot of banks give you an incentive. Like if you use X amount of dollars, they give you certain amount of cash back. I think I've already gotten like over three thousand, three four thousand dollars just in cash back. So I I really enjoy using my credit card. Yeah. <laughs> but I literally pay it off within less than less than two weeks. Yeah, I no, just we're hate that outstanding balance. Yeah, we're the same way. I think if you're going to use uh, credit cards. 
it's, you know, and I know this goes against the Dave Ramsey principle. So if you're out there and you really follow Dave Ramsey, you know, go for it. We're just saying this is one area where we kind of go a different way. Um, we also have some credit cards. I have a, a city professional card, I believe. We also have an American Express card that we never use. And then we have a Bank of America visa never use. I think we have a credit limit, probably on all the cards combined, probably around $20,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think our credit score, the last time we checked, my husband and I both had over 800, which is huge because at one yeah, point that's, we, that's great. yeah, we had, he had $150,000 in debt, in student loan debt. And I think when we got married, his credit score was probably in like the 600s, which still isn't bad, but we've come so far. And I mean, there are some things you can do, uh, Part of the some of the good things that come with having a great credit score, and I know this is another area where Dave Ramsey, I know he doesn't care about the credit score at all. He thinks you, just, you should have a zero credit score. But if you are going to uh, finance something or take out a loan, you're going to get much better interest rates if you have excellent credit and a good tracker, record with money. John, offhand, do you know your credit score? I'm guessing it's, it's pretty good. Seven, 780 or something. Okay. Yeah, but I also know, I only know one person that has a credit score of zero. I thought he was going to have a perfect credit score of Mm -hmm. 800 plus, 850. But he he told me he had his credit score zero just because he pays everything in Mm -hmm. cash now. Um, he, He used to be, he used to be broke and he got into real estate and he started making a ton of money. And at the age around, at the age of 40, he was like, nope. No more debt. We're buying everything in cash, mm-hmm. house in cash, cars in cash. So he he has zero credit score and he has I know he also have lended his money out. So, yeah, I guess you can afford having zero credit score yeah. when you have when you can pay everything. Yeah. In cash. And that's so. not. Yeah. And just to clarify, it's not bad to have a zero credit score. It means you never borrow money. Yeah. So having a good credit score means you borrow money in certain in a certain capacity. Like and not a, everybody yeah. is gonna be like like him because his case is absolutely one of the top one percent of the whole. Yeah, population it's definitely in the world. definitely rare because most of us can't <laughs> do. Most of us have some form of credit in terms of credit cards. mortgages, car loans, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, those store credit cards where you go in and they give you a discount if you take out the, have you ever done any of those that with the store credit cards or do you kind of stay away from those? No, I kind of, I stay away from those because like, I don't, I don't really go shopping much. (laughs) That's, that is true. That is true. Mm -hmm. Um, The only store credit card that I would buy though, or apply would be Amazon, but Amazon. Yeah. I just yeah. hate keeping up with cards here and there. Uh, yeah. I yeah. Just and you like don't want to have, yeah. It's like when you get all those store cards and then you never use, it's like you use it for that one purchase and then you never use it again. And right. then eventually, and it hurts eventually your credit. It closes. Yeah. Cause you, you don't, you don't use it. Yeah. Um, it hurts your credit when you first apply because they have to check your credit score. Yeah. So what do you, what are your own thoughts on using credit and debt? Do you think it can be good? Can it be bad? Like, what do you recommend for especially younger people? Do you my philosophy, my behavior every time was if I can't buy it, I wouldn't buy it like on a credit. Um, so like, I know a lot of time, like, let's say, for example, like the new iPhone, a thousand dollars. I know you can finance it through the phone company, but let's just say 
you 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 just want to buy it outright. Like I would never buy that if I can't buy that same phone over and over. Like so I wouldn't just spend my money and go into debt. Like I would delay gratification. Like every purchase, like for example, I go to the grocery, uh, it's $200. As soon as I purchase it on the credit card, it, within a week, I would pay pay it off. Just so, because yeah. like, like I said, I don't buy anything if I can't pay, be able to pay it back. I don't yeah, like we're, to pay, play that gamble game. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're pretty much the same way. If I can't buy it outright, I won't buy it at all. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe it's just me but I'm a little concerned of all these companies and retailers making it. I, I almost feel too easy for people to finance consumer purchases. Like when you go to Amazon and you go to, you know, add it to your cart and it says, you can buy this on payments. Do you want to do this? Or I used to work at the Home Shopping Network and they had this thing called like Easy Pay. And mm-hmm. you could get anything. You could get a $20 item on Easy Pay. And the way I looked at it I was like, if someone can't pay for a $20 item at once, that's that's alarming to me. I, I found that yeah. pretty concerning. So I don't know. Like, what do you think about all these places like the Apple Store and these like, phone companies making it like just ridiculously easy for people to finance stuff? And often they don't read the fine print. And there's also a high percentage rate on it, too. Right. I, I guess if you're like a graphic designer or someone who makes money off from a computer, like and you don't have it, a computer, I think financing option would be great. And like I I also make money off of my laptop, but mm-hmm. I still, I'm, I'm the laptop I'm using right now is a 2012, no, 2013 or 14 that I bought for my wife, like on Black Friday sale um, outright. So like, but, but I just hate financing stuff because you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing for me that deters me to finance a big purchase item. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's like even if you can afford, if you can't afford the item and you can afford the payments per se, I I don't think you should purchase something, especially not like toys, like a PlayStation 5 or a car. Because what happens if you lose your job or something happens in your life and you're no longer to able to make those payments. Uh, that's, that's what I think about. And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I'm a little bit iffy on all these companies just making it, I feel way too easy for people to buy stuff with the payments on credit, mm-hmm. sort of like how they had the layaway back in the day. And again, that I don't think was as bad because you couldn't get the item until you paid for it. But now all, you know, all these companies are just making it, you know, it's like fast money. They're just making it so ridiculously easy to finance everything under the sun. And I, I don't know if I agree with financing certain items. Like um, there's this, here, I'll show this to you. There's this thing I was looking at. It's for crafters and it's this like craft storage thing. And I might do a video on it because I'm a little concerned that the only reviews I can find on this thing are influencer reviews. So I have not found a review yet of a person who paid for it themselves and bought it. This thing is called the Dream Box, right? So it's Ooh. it's this um, thing that you can use if you're a crafter and, and it like looks like a piece of furniture and then it like folds out like this. Now off the top Whoa, of your head- that's pretty cool. Yeah, now this, this is made of particle board. So it's not made of real wood. Uh, How much would you think this costs? 
I have a feeling that costs about like $4,000. Okay. You're pretty yeah. close. For like a pimped out version, it's around $3,000. That's still really, really expensive, especially for a piece of furniture that's not even real wood. It's particle board. Mm -hmm. And the reviews on it, like, again, if you're getting it for free, I'll be frank. I just don't trust those reviews. Um, I did see one review from an influencer and she was pretty honest about it. She's like, for $3,000, I would be upset about this. But what I find really strange is the fact that you can, you can get this on payments. Like you can finance this. And I'm like, what? I, there's no way in hell I would pay. I would not pay $3,000 for, for that personally. Especially if it was solid wood, maybe, but the fact that it's particle board and MDF, I'm like not, I'm not a fan of, but notice this, it's like break it up into monthly payments. And when I looked at the fine print, the APR, the annual percentage rate could be up to 29%. Now, do you want to pay 29% interest on this like piece of furniture for your craft room? I, I don't think I would. And I find this kind of concerning because like, again, this draws people in, but they make it so easy to make payments on this. And I'm like, for $3,000, I could get some really nice furniture for my craft room that's made of real wood. And that looks nice. Like, I just don't like it's cool that it folds out and stuff and it comes with all these totes. But I'm like, I would not pay one. I would not pay that price. And two, I would definitely if I couldn't afford to pay the $3,000 out of pocket, which I wouldn't. I, I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't finance something like that. But you can finance sewing machines, which I also find a little bit, you know, weird. But I'm like, I, I just don't know. Now, I want to talk to you, too, about your car. You kind of recently got a new car, but you decided to uh, finance it versus paying, paying for it outright, even though you could easily do that. Um, right. Can you explain to everyone why you decided to do that? Because I, I thought your point of view was pretty interesting. It's on it. always opportunity cost. Um, so the total payment, if I paid in cash, it would still have been 35 grand and I've, I've gotten, I've purchased homes and with, with a partner 50, 50, and I've purchased homes where I've been in it for like 35 grand total. But then that 35 grand will make me another 35 grand where in buying a car that 35 grand just sits in the car yeah. and then it depreciates. But in this case, like if I buy a home and fix it up and flip it, you know, I can get another 35 grand. So it's producing money. Um, I was just talking to my brother just um, like two hours ago. And I told him about the Airbnb property that I'm, I'm in the process of purchasing. Um, it's 200 grand. Um, they want 200 grand for it. It's, it's an amazing price because it's actually walking distance to everything in downtown uh, and retail price should be around, um, if, so if I bought it tomorrow, I would be probably able to sell for 300 K easily. And someone would just give me an offer right then and there. Um, but fix it up. I think I could probably hit 380 mm -hmm. to 400, um, for the initial purchase price, I could buy it in cash. Mm -hmm. but I told my brother, there's no way I'm going to buy it in cash. I'm just going to so get, get a loan. And yeah. he was just confused. Why just not paying in cash and have it, have it over with. But, and he, this is what I told him. I said, instead of, you know, using all 200 K 
get a loan, put 20% down, yeah. which is going to be about 40. And with closing costs, I would just say, let's for simple number sakes, let's say I'll be in it for 50. And then I, th- the windows needs to be replaced. The roof needs to be replaced. So that's going to be another like 15K. It's not a big, big place. Either way, I'm going to make it look good and probably in it for like 70K in it. But the Airbnb comps market analysis shows me that I could, in my first year, I could make 40 to 40, like 40 to 50 grand on it my first year. So within the second year, I would have all my money back. Yeah. No, I think that's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's going to pay off the mortgage. Mm -hmm. So it's going to pay for itself by the second year. By the third year, it's, it's it, it will produce me cash flowing asset while it's paying the mortgage yeah. down. And it's, I'm also getting my money back within two, two to three years. So for me, that, that's a win-win situation. And let's say for the other 150, no, for the other 150 grand I don't use, I buy another property with that money. Exactly. Fix so then it you up. can get multiple properties instead of just right. one. Right, right. So that's power of leveraging. Like yeah. I, I would always be in it for that. And so that's, that's what I, I told my brother. And he was like, oh, that that yeah. makes sense. My brother is not in real estate. Um, he, he's not really interested in it. Maybe but, he should you know. be. He told, <laughs> he, he, you, he's got a good person to learn from mm-hmm. there. And you know what? That makes so much sense because... Mm-hmm. Um, like you could, yeah, you could buy multiple properties and this is an asset that holds its value. Right. The housing market has been crazy. And this is, there's a huge difference between secured debt and unsecured mm-hmm. debt, like a student loan debt, unsecured mortgage or loan on a property. Obviously that's secured because mm-hmm. if things got rocky, you could just sell that property and pay off the loan. So I think that's like the big difference to me. And do you see a difference between personal debt and business debt? Um, for like me, anything that goes into real estate, I just see it as a win. Okay. Um, especially if you just buy it right, I just see it as like, okay, I'm I'm gonna be spending like forty grand and fixing it up, but it it wouldn't phase me at all, just because I know it's gonna spit out like ninety grand in return, just yeah. just for simple number sakes. Like it might not spit out that much, or it might even spit out more. Like the flip that I'm closing tomorrow. We were in it for 88 grand. Um, we put in, we, at first we thought it was going to be like 30 grand in rehab, but it ended up being 45 grand, but it's, so we were in it, but we ended up make uh, the numbers, the profit shows us we're, we are making exactly six figures. So for me, it doesn't scare me if I'm having mm-hmm. to put a ton of money to fix it up, because as long as I know my comps and my, know my market, I know I'm getting all that back, but if I'm buying like personal products or like personal thing for enjoyment, I know none of that is going to produce any money like this table or the TV that I just bought. Um, It took a lot of persuading, but Mm -hmm. I know those items when I purchase it, I'm like, oh man, (laughs) but we needed it. But I also know that this is not any income producing asset or it's just it's just for pure enjoyment, but um, I mean, making uh, for me, I would never have thought I would have bought a one thousand eight hundred dollar TV. But I'm also making a six figure profit tomorrow, so that's yeah, so, how I justified my purchase. Yeah, it's like it's a very small percentage of your financial picture. So at this point, that's why you're comfortable with 
mm-hmm. with doing it. But you probably wouldn't have done that five years ago or whatever. Yeah. And also, it was on sale, y'all. Yeah, it was and that's a huge... Yeah, $2,500 on Best Buy, but yeah. it was like on sale for $1,800. And 82 so. inches is a map. I mean, that's a... Are you going to wall mount that thing? What are you going to... Yeah. We'll, oh, we'll that's going to be... I got to see some pictures when you wall yeah. mount it because that will look... We have... You know what? And that's a good deal because we... And TVs are getting cheaper and cheaper. We paid, yeah. I think, 1500 for a 55-inch TV like yeah. eight years ago. So... You paid a little more than that, but you got a TV that's way bigger than that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I feel like that's a pretty, I think that's a pretty good deal. And I want to yeah. ask you about your, yeah. the, when you're going to get loans as an investor, what yeah. kind of interest rates are you usually able to get? Um, as long as I put 20% and my credit score is high and they, uh, they see how much money I have in my bank account. So they know I'm a very, very yeah, they safe. they know you're... You're not like a shyster or something. Right. So they know I'm a very safe investment. Yeah. So hopefully I can get like 3% That's interest good. rate. So, but I mean, I know the, 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 the cat, the Airbnb rents going to mm-hmm. literally cover everything. So that's why, I mean, sure. 200 K is a lot of money, but you know, with, for it, like in possible future, you know, appreciation, I know it's going to be higher than 200K when I resell it. And also I'm getting money from it. So for me, um, I'm not afraid to purchase something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a story I feel like you would appreciate. Um, my stepfather who who passed away last year, he was also a, a real estate investor. He was an entrepreneur. He did all kinds of things. He had a lot of different businesses. And he told me a story that back in the 70s, there was a piece of farmland that was for sale. He was very young and had not done real estate before. And he decided he was, he went to these, the the owners, I believe it was like a, it was farmland or something. It was, Mm -hmm. it was a huge piece of land, right? So he goes to them. He had no plan. Like he was just like, I just need to buy this land. So he convinced these people to sell him the land. I believe it was for like, I forgot what the price was. It was like $125,000 or $100,000, something around that that point in the 70s. And he told me he had like literally no idea how he was going to pay for it. Like he didn't yeah. have he didn't have financing. Um so he's like, you know, I got to figure this out. So he talks to them. They agree to sell him the land. He goes to the bank. He convinces the bank to loan him the money, even though he had like no assets or anything. He's like, you know, my dad was a member at this bank. I've always been a good customer. You're going to you're going to loan me this money. So he gets this farmland. And what he ended up doing was he's he had the land plotted out so he could or subplotted out. He sold one piece of the land for the what he owed on the loan, paid off the loan, now owes no money for the land. Holds wow. it for holds it for like 30 years and or no 40 years. He holds it for 40 years because he sold it in like mm-hmm. he sold it like a couple years ago. So in that time, he rented out the land for to farmers. So the farmers would farm on it. And then he ended up selling it a few years ago for, I think, seven hundred thousand dollars. But also he had got nice. he had owed no money yeah. on the land. He collected rent on it all those years and then mm-hmm. he just sold off subplots i for, right. for about seven hundred thousand dollars and because it was i think zoned as agricultural 
he got he didn't have to pay as much taxes on it. Like mm-hmm. he, I don't know what his tax rate was, but he um, yeah. he said he the tax the like the tax burden was very low, and that ended up. And he said at the time everyone thought he was nuts. They made fun of him, and now it made him several hundred thousand dollars. And the yeah. point of the story he told me was like he's like when you're making a business decision, don't feel like you always have to have it figured out when you go into it. Right. Commit to it or say you're, you know, get into it and then you'll figure it out as you go along. And he did. And I feel like you've done that, too. You know, you kind of jumped in and you ju- you've been learning along the way. But I think a lot of people are afraid to do it because they, they kind of have this like imposter syndrome or they feel like, you know, oh, I don't know anything about real estate. I don't know anything about crypto, so I'm not going to invest. And then they, you know, they could have made some money or they could have gotten into it. But. I think that there's this stigma that you have to have everything perfectly calculated to do mm-hmm. something and you and you don't, you know? But how, how about your case, Jennifer, like with your <laughs> like camera equipment? Because I know you're making money off YouTube. So what's your thought process on, on, on that? You know, that's an interesting question because a lot I get I've been getting a lot of questions about the YouTube stuff and People are like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing about YouTube. And the the good thing about YouTube is that you can teach yourself how to grow a channel. So I I know a lot of people will come to you and say, you know, oh, how how do I do this? I need help. And I would say if you're really motivated and you want to do a YouTube channel or start like a podcast or something, there's so many free resources on YouTube on how to grow a YouTube channel and how to make better videos that I would encourage you to Teach yourself. It's all free. It costs you nothing. You can get started on YouTube with a very low cost of entry. You just need a basic camera. You don't need anything fancy. But that's the other thing is that a lot of people, like, they get this block from starting something because they don't know anything about it. And that's the thing. Neither of us knew anything about what we were doing when we started. We just, like, did it. And and that's what I think people are scared of. And that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast is to try to help you guys bust out of that mindset of thinking you can't do something or I need to have everything figured out. You really don't. If you want to do something or if you are interested in something, learn about it. Like there's nothing stopping you. And because we have all these free resources, I don't think there's ever been a better time in history to to build something for yourself. Would you agree with that? Like, yeah, because all the information is out there. It's crazy. Like um, back in the day, no Internet. So people can't really learn what they um, wanted to or, you know, they never thought there was a business like this. Like because that's all out there. The information is for free. So I think we're we're living in a good era. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. And there's so many ways you can make money online. Like that's that's the thing. Everyone's like, oh, I, you know, I. There's only low paying jobs or I can't get a good job or I don't, you know, have training in this. Uh, It doesn't really matter if you're good at something. You're good at something. You don't have Mm -hmm. to have like a piece of paper showing you, hey, I can do graphic design or I can do photography. If you're good at it, people are going to want to hire you. If you're good at it, you're going to make money doing it. Now, I don't think Mm -hmm. you should get in. I don't think you should get into a creative field like blogging or like YouTubing for the money. You need to actually really like what you do and want to put out content. But if you are, you know, and as we talked to your friend Brandon in the last episode, which was so inspiring, he is doing what he loves to do. (laughs) And he figured out how to make a lot of money doing it. 
And I feel like that could easily apply to most industries or most career paths. But that was so cool to talk to him because you would just not think a barber would make that much money. And you can right. I bet there I would bet a million dollars there are a lot of barbers complaining about how they'll uh, get paid enough. And would I bet you that? nobody would believe that a barber can make more money than a doctor. Like, yeah. That that's that's yeah. the cra- that's a crazy headline to put in. Barber yeah. making more than a doctor. You know, and and that also kind of goes to a lot of these like creative fields like mm-hmm. designing and stuff or like painting or drawing. Um sure, there's so many there's just such a big um income variation there can be artists making no money and there are a lot of artists who have a strong social media presence who are making Mm -hmm. millions of dollars so it does not really matter what field you're in it's how good are you at it and can you make an and also i think a big part is making a name for yourself too because if everyone knows um like weren't you saying that you had a friend that kind of or you knew someone that lost a real estate client because they wanted to go with like a popular YouTube personality yeah. instead. <laughs> and, and that matters, you know. I, so a lot of people, especially in like old school fields, like a lot of realtors, I'm sure you know, they kind of use like very outdated marketing tactics. Like they still do mailers and stuff, but they don't do social media. But there's so much there's so much opportunity if you want to grow your social media following. And that stuff matters. And then you get people that are like, oh, I don't have time for that stuff. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's such a waste. I'm not going to do that. And then they lose out on more business. Uh, you know, like your friend that lost out, he could grow his own presence. And then if he's the one that everyone knows around town, they'll want to go with him. It's like, are you good? It are you takes a lot of work. It? Yeah. So are you willing to do it? Like, are you, you willing to do it? You did have a pretty viral TikTok, though. I checked and it had like 700,000 views or something. Yeah. The Lambo one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> um, one of the real estate legend I follow commented. I was like, oh, pretty cool. <laughs> Wait, who? <laughs> uh, it was, he's, he is Vietnamese. And then I realized cool. one of my friends on Facebook were friends with him and they were commenting. So I was like, I commented. I was like, hey, aren't you the guy <laughs> that just commented? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So. Uh, networking too it's pretty good mm-hmm. yeah okay so i want to take a look at this um i know we're we've been talking about credit and debt but this has been a good a good sidebar too so mm-hmm. hey no regrets so debt and income it kind of seems like the more wealthier you are the more debt you have but i think that's the point that you are making john is that if you like it's it's the kind of debt that you're comfortable you know obviously these mm-hmm. people are comfortable with it and especially a lot of business people or entrepreneurs, they have debt because it makes them money. So they may yeah. own a bunch of buildings or they may own, you know, several companies and and that type of thing. Now, one. OK, this is interesting. So the median here's and also they kind of break it down by racial groups too. Um, Asians, the median household. I mean, look at look at John. We're killing it. Eighty thousand to ninety eight thousand dollars. So, hey, this Asians with money. <laughs> title apparently apparently we're we're not wrong we are not wrong but that's kind of interesting and uh but yeah student man how much why why do we have so much in student loans of that like i don't know i know we talked about college in a previous episode but the amount of student loans americans have is insane oh my gosh this is just crazy um now what do you think do you have any advice for people who maybe have is trouble with the consumer debt, like with buying stuff or 
Like, what would you recommend people cut out if they're trying to I think to they like, just need to de- try to delay gratification, yeah. really train their mindset, um, like always focus more on the long-term goal instead of the short-term because the short-term goal is always addicting and you, you want to do it just because you see an instant gratification, an instant result. But nothing good has ever come in a short period of time. So people really need to like heed on to that and remember that. And whenever they want to give in just focus on the bigger term goal and that's exactly what i did yeah no you've done that oh and you know one thing we we've kind of touched on but we both have mortgages for our homes right mm-hmm. like you've got one for your home and yeah. you're, are you still working on that deal to move are you going to be doing yeah that? i'm trying i'm trying to move i mean i got a new water heater and i'm putting a new roof just in case we want to move um you know it'll be like on for top dollar but and also speaking on that, I could pay my house in cash, yeah. but I'm not going to because I, I'm always going to try to leverage my money to make it useful and to be to, I want to use my money to produce more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we were going to put down like 10 to 15 percent on our house. Yeah. But because the interest rates were so freaking low, we decided to do 5 percent. We could have put down yeah. more, mm-hmm. but it was so I mean borrowing money on a home is so cheap right now did you guys put yeah. down like less than 10 percent? 10 percent what do you guys well, we remember put down like five percent okay yeah. yeah and that's the thing mm-hmm. like it doesn't make that much of a difference in your mortgage payment and the interest rates now i mean like my mom remembers when interest rates were like 18 percent or something yeah. back and like i mean the the interest rates we have now are so low mm-hmm. and i mean yeah they've gone up a little bit over the past year but they're still really very affordable in comparison to like mm-hmm. the seventies the or the eighties. I mean, those were not great times for borrowing money. So hopefully things stay like this because uh, yeah, but the housing market continues to be insane. So if you can even get a house, like, are you seeing, are you still seeing that in Pensacola? Like are people having yeah, a hard yeah. time getting like, anything? I'm not going to even look at houses that are yeah. on Zillow. I'm just focusing on houses that aren't on Zillow and just like off market. Cause then yeah. I get, exclusive deal i get to name the terms and the purchase price so that that's why i like off-market deals yeah mm-hmm. yeah no this is this has just been crazy so we'll see what's going to yeah. go on with the housing market i don't see it i don't i don't see it cooling down um you know i've talked to my realtor mm-hmm. friend melanie she i mean it's just been insane and i i think one misconception people have is one of she did a live stream the other night and, and one of the questions was are cash investors edging out like real home buyers and she actually said no um mm-hmm. and the reason is that cash buyers want a deal they don't yeah. want to pay fifty thousand dollars over list price so this whole idea that cash investors are taking away homes from regular people she said that's really not the case. Right. We actually provide yeah. homes because we fix up the ones that people don't want and then yeah. we put them in the market. Not to mention the cash buyers are buying the homes that couldn't be financed. Because if right. you're getting a fixer, if you're getting a home that won't pass a four-point inspection for financing, a regular buyer with a mortgage, like they can't get those homes. Right. So I think that's one thing that people are maybe confused about, but... I thought that was interesting that people think, you know, oh, cash investors. Right. Uh, People just hate investors. They think we're here to like take advantage of people, like uh, just get a house and just price it as super high as we can. But 
Yeah, at the same time, we can try to price it, but we can't try yeah. to price it like extremely high because appraisal needs to hit, and also it's supply and demand. Yeah. Um. So it's it's one more home that we're putting on the market. So there's more demand. We're just trying to put out more supplies. Yeah, not to mention the fact that you're putting in your own money to right. get that home to the point where it could pa- get and, financing. And here's the thing. Um, people generally will know that it's a fixer-upper because of the seller's mm-hmm. disclosure because yeah. you just have to disclose everything. And it's their choice to buy it or not, but guess yeah. what? They buy it. <laughs> so Yeah, and your fixes, mm-hmm. you, do, you do quality work. I think they look mm-hmm. great. Um, and that's the thing, you know, that people don't understand is that if you want to get what, like a lot of people will ask realtors for like these extreme fixer uppers, not realizing that if they don't have the cash to buy right. it outright and the cash to renovate it, they're not going to be able to get that house. And that's out of reach for a lot of people. So it, cash investors like John are actually helping the market because again, you're taking those homes that can't be financed and you're turning it into a state where someone could get a mortgage on it. Because right, right. a lot of the homes you're going for nobody can get a mortgage on it. Like they can't get an FHA loan on it. They can't get a VA loan. They can't get a conventional because they're just not in good shape. And th- like, that's the thing. They These homes have to pass a, a, an inspection in order to even get financing. And a lot of the homes you're going after, like you guys are going after a different category of home than the average mm-hmm. home buyer. Um, so just to be clear, like that is the reality so, you know, for all of you guys accusing all the investors of taking all the houses, it, it's just not really true. You guys are providing more inventory. In fact, we bought our home from a flipper um, and they did a, they did pretty they did good work. The home was still fairly priced. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the previous owner had I, they had like trashed the house. So it probably wouldn't have passed financing. So even though the investor got it at a good price, this is a home that you can't get a more get a mortgage on right so you know just food for thought people if only the roof is bad you still can't get a mortgage on that and do you want to spend 10 grand on the roof so and a lot of people don't have that no and and a lot of a lot of people also think like hey you know if i could pay cash for house i can get a loan for the renovations and Maybe you can, but maybe you can't. Like, I don't know much about getting rental loans. one loan you can, but you have to live in there. It's a two or uh, 3K loan. Um, But yeah, you can get a loan, but the house still has to be in like a decently shaped. So it can't be like a tear down, you know, with no, you know. And and a lot of these Mm -hmm. homes, weirdly, we were able to get a pretty fixer upper home with financing. Mm But it didn't need a new roof at the time. Yeah. And it like it was livable. It was dirty, but it was livable. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these homes, like the one that you had with the tree felling fault that fell into the roof, that yeah. one probably wouldn't get financing in the right. you, you know, in that <laughs> in that state. So just a quick market update here in Florida. Things are still crazy. Uh, we are thinking of selling our home once we kind of I think we're we're still looking into getting vinyl floors, so that would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Um okay, so this week for Asian approved. All right, John, tell everyone about your TV again. It's it's an 82 inch. Like I said, like the first two years of our marriage, uh, uh, we 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 bought it off of those gift cards. And Mm -hmm. honestly, like when I was doing my business, like when I started as a real real estate agent, like I didn't even watch any kind of TV. But now I'm Mm kind of like having a little bit more free time and trying to trying to enjoy things here and there. And, um, you know, I actually bought a sound bar. It wasn't compatible with my old TV. So we're like, Oh, I gotta buy a new TV. And (laughs) 
I was I realized, okay, if I'm buying this TV, it's probably going to stay with me for another like six years. So I just went ahead and bought one of the nicest ones. Um, it was on sale too. It was 2,500, but it was on sale for 1,800. So I picked that up. <laughs> that is a good deal. What are you, yeah. what are you looking forward to watching on the 82 inch? I don't know. 82 inch. I, I didn't realize how big it was until we got a tape measurement and it's a pretty nice. big TV. And with the new 3d sound bar, Ooh. um, we'll, we'll see how it feels watching a movie. <laughs> so That'll I'm pretty be excited awesome. about that. Are, are you going to get a PS five at any point? How do you feel Probably about not. No, you're not interested. <laughs> yeah, do you, no. you do game a little bit though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Call of Duty. So. Okay. Do you do, do you do that on PlayStation or is it in yeah, something PS4. else? Okay. PS4. Yeah. yeah we have a PS4 too. But it's not on my too. priority list. So. Okay. Not on the priority list. All right. Yeah. So that is exciting. What do yeah. I have for this week? What did I, I've ordered a bunch of random stuff off of off of Amazon. I'll be completely honest. I have spent way too much money on this bunny, but I don't regret it. Yeah, I got her some baby toys that apparently mm-hmm. bunnies really like. And I got her her. I'll show you this. This is I'm actually kind of excited to see if she uh, tries to use it because apparently bunnies are kind of smart. I don't know if you experienced that with your bunny. Is but, it a cup uh, within a cup? I did get her the stacking toys. Yeah. Um, but her, I'll show you this. It is, it's this IQ treat ball and you like put little things in it and then they have to like work to get it out. So mm. we'll see if this works. I'm, I'm curious to see if she figures out. She's, she's been able to figure out some stuff. Actually, I'll insert a video in this episode. So I got her the, uh, I'll show you guys the stacking cups. So I got her this baby toy. Oh, wait, here, this is the one I, it's like the first, I know it's weird that I'm buying baby toys and I, uh, you know, don't have a baby. So I ordered her these stack cup toys and I'll insert a clip here. But what I did was I turned them upside down and then I put little food under it and she can now pick them up. She's figured out how to pick it up and then get the food underneath. It didn't take her very long to uh, figure out. Uh, so yeah. that was actually pretty entertaining for me. Yeah, they're so smart. Down. And yeah. then they could they also it's find weird. like the where they poop and pee. Uh just like cats. It's yeah, the it litter training fascinating. Yeah, the litter training so far, if you are interested in getting a bunny, they are a lot of work, but they are smart animals. And I feel like she's gonna be able to figure out she's been pretty good with the litter training. Yeah. Like, yeah, so I don't know if we're gonna totally free roam her. I'd like to have her be able to go into more areas of the house more often supervised but yeah like they're smart animals she yeah the stacking cups that was actually pretty entertaining for me because she's just like picking up with her teeth and then she's like oh food they really like food and that's like she follows me around all the time because she just thinks i'm going to give her food i feel a little bit bad (laughs) i think i've created a monster but you know they like they like eating a lot so I I that, I guess that's my Asian approved is baby toys for bunnies. Sure, why why not? I don't know. Uh, but anyways, uh, next week, uh, John, you're going on vacation, uh, so we'll yep. be back the week after with another exciting episode of Asians with Money. But if you enjoyed this, hit that like button and leave us a comment. Or if you have any questions, uh, we want to know what your philosophies are on using credit card and debt. Uh, but this has been a fun one. All right, John, I'll see you again in a couple weeks. All right. Sounds good. Thank you.